Hey, get up. It's time to get down. It is episode 67 with your favorite host, Sue and Mel from the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> no, I don't like puns nowhere near enough. <laughs> so many puns. To so be many on baking. That show. And you don't like baking either. So it's just baking. I puns. just sobbed more from British Bake Off than. Certainly any Netflix show that I I've tried to watch. I have never seen you cry at a movie or a TV show. <laughs> I don't think in our entire relationship together. That's not true. We just watched About Time. Okay. I cried during About Time. Aside from About Time. Yeah. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever watched you cry in a TV show. Is that fair? Uh, I think that's probably fair. Because the only shows I've ever gotten invested Lost. in... I'm usually angry invested in. Yeah, not yeah. tearfully invested. Movies get me quite a bit. I'm, I actually, I started to tear up at the movie we're going to talk about today. Did you? Mm. Mm, okay. So, like, think the movie Fathers arc. Forgiving, Fathers forgive, Forgiving Sons gets, and yeah. vice versa, yeah. that gets me, yeah. I think the emotional arc of movies is more intense than TV shows generally. Like, Yeah, that's probably fair to say. But Great British Bake Off. Didn't, today. didn't our previous podcast have us recapping the Probably. season? Does that mean we watched an entire season? In two weeks? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Okay. I don't... Maybe. Yeah. Because we were home all week last week, that's why. Yeah. With the great polar vortex of 2019. Like... Polar vortex gate. When reality TV is done well, it's extremely addicting. It is. And extremely fun to watch. It's very affecting when it's done properly. Yeah, and like I've left chopped on like just as background noise sometimes, and it's like it has a similar structure, but I can't there's watch like it. nothing. It doesn't do it for me. There's no substance. Yeah, uh, I also don't care about cooking. I only like baking. Uh, I hate baking in real life, but I think baking makes for better television, which is probably one of the weirdest sentences I've ever said in my life. Okay. Um, well, there's rules in baking. Okay. Yeah. It's more interesting to watch people play within those rules. Yeah. Whereas cooking, they're like, we've put one avocado, two jars of Nutella, and a salmon <laughs> on this table. Go. But I think what makes the British baking show so good is that the way the the individuals grow on you, you know, episode by episode. I mean, every reality TV show is like that. What yeah. I would say is that they don't try and jam it down your throats. They let them be themselves. Like, I don't think... You're talking about edit. We were talking about editing a little bit of it. Yeah, that must be the two jobs that I would not want to have on that show would be dishwasher <laughs> and editor because that's two full days. It's like probably like sixteen hours of footage, mm -hmm. and you have to go through and find every funny note, every compelling note, every ten tenuous note. Yeah, I think what. Um what American TV show, reality TV shows get wrong is mm. the cutthroatness. Yeah. I think sometimes that's fun to watch because I'm a very competitive person, so I get competitive right. along they with think them. Before every commercial break, you have to be like, oh my God. Someone backstab someone else. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like Australian Survivor was like, oh, we should probably tell them we're going to vote them out just to be oh, fair. Oh, they were so stupid. And then on, on Australian Survivor, it was stupid. On Great British Bake Off, yeah. it's heartwarming. It's um, oh, yeah. relentless optimism. Wasn't yep. that supposed to be our 2019 thing? That's right. Uh, and that's what it's like. It, it's got the same, like, hopeful undercurrent as Parks and Rec, which is why I love Parks and Rec. Interesting. Like, it's got that just, like, camaraderie, like, hope vibe to it. Yeah. Um, it's just lovely. There's just nothing like yeah. it. We won't waste too much time on it, but this was the Nadia season for those scoring at home. Uh, I think but it was technically season six in real life, but yeah. season... Three on it's from like four Netflix. years ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, but the finale was, was fantastic because there were three three really good competitors who did their did absolute really good best. work. They yeah. all did their absolute best in the last challenge, and my two favorites were in the finale: yeah. Tamal and Nadia. Nadia just took me on a journey. Like I admit <laughs> being judgy and probably racist prejudiced. in prejudice in the first episode i said okay there's they put a gal with a headscarf on in the show that's great for diversity usually she's probably going to be really meek and quiet usually and, in survivor she gets voted off first yeah and like the second weekend just her facial expressions alone not not even accounting for her sarcasm her and accent her, weird her and stuff. yeah she was she just was just adorable dynamite she just grabbed your heart yeah she grabbed it yeah 
I just adore her. Um, Tamal and her were my favorite. It was so refreshing after the last season we watched, which was a couple seasons before it, to have just like three white dudes in the finale. Correct. They and got this it right one, this time. Yeah, it was interesting. They all used different types of flavors. They were coming from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And Tamal was just so funny to yeah. me. Like he described one of, everyone was talking about these like emotional journeys about their, um, their bakes one of the weeks. And he was yeah. like, this is from one of my top two best sandwiches ever <laughs> in my whole life. Inspired by that. And then the last bake, when wow. they were all talking about like their homes and their villages and their their um, families and stuff, yeah. he was like, one time I saw a picture of an abandoned Chinese fishing village. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> so I'm basing I'm my... working off of that's that. That's what I'm basing my final showstopper championship bake on. Yeah. He, he's just his own person and I just love him. But yeah. Nadia, just her story... Which is amazing. Mm -hmm. I just, I cried. I looked over you were crying. <laughs> and I have that little British accent inside my head. Yeah, what is this you were just trying to tell me before we hit record? That now you're, your, your inner you're voice? speaking British or I sound British to you? No, no, no. Like your inner voice? Uh-huh. You're just bloody this, bloody that. Yeah, it takes on a British accent. That doesn't happen to you? No, never. Oh, happens to me a lot. Every time I watch some sort of British, long, long form British television show, I have a British accent in my head. Huh. You're not drinking British wine. Do they do British wine? Wow. I've never heard of that. I'm drinking um, Austrian wine. We haven't oh. done this in a while. From Vienna? Uh, Gruner Weltliner Kremstahl Sangrub. I don't know what any of those words do, mean. Let's say it again, and I'll ask Siri. Siri, please translate this. Gruner Weltliner Kremstahl Sandgrub. She got... Sure. Translate into which language? Group Crimson Sendgrub. Is group. Austrian a language? Uh, I assume that's German. German. A yet? Screw you. It didn't work. I think it's German. Uh, it's very good. It just says dry white wine. But I think I I like it. Good on you, mate. Good on you, mate. Um, couple other tidbits from our two-week sojourn. Um, we saw Nathan Chen skate. Not in real life. No. Soundscape. On television. That was going to be, one of my good news is was going to be, oh, I cool. guess I'll say it now, Go. not Nathan Chen, Javi. Oh gosh, that was a heartwarming moment. It was. He, Even in an off Olympic year, we still he, got into ice skating. We did. He, that was a slow week last week for both of us, <laughs> for the, the whole Midwest really. He got his seventh consecutive Euro championship and then retired on that. I'm mm -hmm. so proud of him. Planned retirement and then went out with a bang. Yeah. A short bang and a long bang. I'm so proud of him. You know who's not retiring? Uh, who? Tom Brady. Because we, I won our bet, so that means I get to pick our next TV show, right? <clears throat> Technically, yeah. <laughs> um, on the Super Bowl, I think I read, I only read one recap of it, and I think the final sentence put it best. This was the Super Bowl that the NFL deserved and the country probably deserved. It wasn't the one we wanted, it's the one we deserved. Yeah. What's the Dark Knight quote? Yeah, something like that. What a shitty game. And it was like so boring. The championship games were so good the week before. Mm -hmm. Like even as a as a now NFL hater, I like couldn't look away. Like Do you they think were good games. it's because the Rams should not have made it? The wrong team got in. I was always rooting for either Patriots Saints with the two old quarterbacks or Rams Chiefs because that had been the best regular season game to date. So that, the kids at school were arguing yeah. that the Chiefs should the Chiefs were actually the best team in the NFL. Yeah, but their quarterback, who led me to a second-place fantasy finish, is essentially a rookie, and that's a lot for a first year. When are we seeing that money, baby? Uh, no friends of the show are listening, <laughs> so we'll see. Um, yeah, that's what I was saying to people at school. I was like, I'm happy they won, but I felt no joy at the end of the game. Yeah. I was just happy for it to be over. It was, it was certainly, so yeah, the quickest, um, you know, there was no Super Bowl hangover. Like, I wasn't no. even tempted to, like, call into work the next day. No. Especially because the time change helps us here. Yeah. But it was just like, One oh. of the people at school was like, oh, you must have been up real late last night after that <laughs> win. I was like, man, I kind of just went to bed. Yeah. I was not that excited about it. It did lead me to a couple good um, spirit days at school, though, because there was Jersey Day. You had already planned to wear a brewski jersey, which is risky, not knowing if they were going to win or not. Yes. Um, the, to be fair, most of the kids did not realize it was a Patriots jersey because it just looks like a blue and white jersey. Mm. Uh, they also had no idea who Brewski was. Not surprised. And then they kept trying to say he was a, a center. No. 
And he was not a center. Linebacker. I don't even know what a center is, but I know that he was not a center. Center is the snapper. Yeah, he's not that. He was yeah. a linebacker. Um, so I had to show some kids a picture of that. Oh. And then for Comfy Cozy Day, I wore a very old Patriot sweatshirt mm-hmm. that was, I'm pretty sure was my mom's from the 90s. Yep. Um, and the kids, I kept telling the kids, they were like teasing me for my sweatshirt. And I just kept being like, this sweatshirt is older than you. Respect your elders. Nice. And then they actually did the math, and they're like, "That's what you're at 17 years old." I was like, "Yeah, it's older than all of you." So, because I was like, "It's from the the Patriot, the first Patriot Super Bowl that I remember, which was versus Green Bay." Correct. And one of the kids was like, "Was that 98?" And I was like, "Maybe." And I had to look it up, right. and it was 97. Yeah. But I was like, "How did you even know that? You're you're 11." Um, but I did get myself some flack on uh, not thinking about it because I wore a pair of sweatpants that are mm-hmm. from my college, which is the URI Rams. Yep. So three days after the Super Bowl, Didn't I wore it even a, ring a Patriots bell. sweatshirt and a Rams uh, sweatpants. So I got some, oh. I got yelled at for that. And then I got called a bandwagon fan. I was like, man, this sweatshirt's older than you. I'm not a bandwagon fan. Anyway. Um. So I think that's our sports update. Are you? We also watched part of Rent Live. Well. Oh God. In these I last have, two weeks, I I've kind that? of blocked that out. I put that under my bad news. I think Rent Live ish. Is what I wrote. Did we sit through the whole three hours or did um, we no, jump we around? Watched a, we watched a Bake Off, a bake off episode okay. in the middle of it. That sounds right. And then I was at one point just not looking at it and just listening to it. Okay. It was basically just a rent sing-along for me. Mm. And that was all I got out of it. Okay. Was that I like the Rent songs. Rent is probably the musical I've listened to the most, uh, including Hamilton. Like, you said rent. it just found its way into your, your CD changer back school. in the day? It was like such a high school CD. Yeah. And we went to see the movie, which was a rough, my first panic attack in my whole life after that movie for unrelated reasons. But um, we went to see the movie. I had the soundtrack of it and I listened to it a lot. So I really liked the songs. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first like musical I liked. That was the first thing that I was like, I like musicals because Got I it. like the Rent soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was bad. Yeah, the dress rehearsal. I put live-ish. Right. Because it was the, the dress rehearsal from the night before was what was actually broadcast because someone broke their ankle or something. Yeah. Um, I wish they had just done the actual show with him in a wheelchair because it looked like better than what they put on TV. Yeah. And why was Kamala Settle there? Which one was that? The one from The um, hmm. Greatest Showman. Oh yeah, that really like, hurts you. There? Gosh, when she, she wasn't pops even up, a character. You, wow. She wasn't even a character. Why was she there? Ten thousand. Um. Are you gonna let me go on a short rant? Uh, about what? About the book I finished. That was what I was gonna say. Was I had good book news, and I think you have bad book news. Our longest books of the year, though. Mine was yes. five hundred pages. Yours was absurd. Yes, mine was almost a thousand pages. In this day and age, like with publishers, that and with publishers trying to pinch pennies, like why would they not say let's split it up even more for an already long series? Every time I like got to an end point of a chapter that was like a definitive, like you know, end of an arc, I was like that should have been the end of the book. That should have been the end. Probably mention what that should have been the end of the book. Oh, this is a Sarah J. Mass rant. Mass holes. Uh, I have such a hate love love hate no, relationship. I think it's a hate love relationship. <laughs> a hate love relationship with her books. We've talked about um, two of her Court of Thorns and Roses books. Was our first episode? Was it not? No, that no. was Captive Prince. Oh, I remember yelling about books with maps, but yeah, yeah, just definitely followed under that. This was a book with a map. That the actual the map was not the big map enough, was not you relevant. Said? Not they relevant. went to all these other lands that were not in the original map. Anyways, I have a lot of feelings about this. Uh, this was her. You secretly throne. love this. Book. This was her throne of. I love to hate this book. This was her throne of glass series. Finale. I, I read the the finale. It better fucking be the finale at this point. Um, I read the first couple books like years ago, and I was kind of like meh about them. I was like interested enough to keep reading. This was before I even read A Court of Thrones and Roses. I think interested enough to keep reading, but like not that into it. Uh, and then it started to get really good. The middle, like, books three and four, four and five were pretty interesting. And then this book just fucking exploded in the worst way. Like, it, this book itself could have been a trilogy. 
Yeah. There was way too much going on. It was like all the worst bits of Lord of the Rings were this book. Hmm. Too many characters, too many battles that lasted like hundreds and hundreds of pages and at like a time. And like geographically dispersed. Geographically dispersed. Hmm. Relying way too much on like, uh, they're coming to save us. This unexpected ally has appeared again. Like Ugh. way too much of that. Way too much. The ending relied way too heavily on like, I can never say this. How do I say it? Deus Ex Machina. That. Um, that was pretty With good. like random magic symbols of like, didn't you know we planted these magical traps all along? And it's like, what? <laughs> so many plot holes. There was a point when, when one of the characters could have killed one of the main villains and just like didn't for inexplicable reasons. I love um, that. And like the first book was like a very straightforward book about like an assassin who got kind of forced into service with the royal family and it was a very straightforward yeah. book. And then this book had so many fucking plot lines going on and so many character arcs. Like, there were so many individual character arcs that, like, would have really had an emotional impact on me if it wasn't the 17th person to have an emotional yeah. arc. Like, there it just is, like, a it's... certain theoretical maximum of, of feelings feels you can have correct as the kids say. like the the next ending that it happens i'm like well i guess they got a happy ending too like it just doesn't hit anymore yeah like it just ruined i almost wish that the characters had had separate books that all came mm -hmm. together in the end or i don't know and like the tonal shift was just so bizarre from that first book being just like about assassins in a fantasy world to this book having like these villains and these demons from another dimension but then there's good guys from another dimension and then she's a human but she's a fairy and she has all these fairy comrades but she has this cousin and just like she's so much. she's no tamara pierce is what i'm hearing she's no tamara pierce she just had way too many ideas for this universe yeah. and just tried to shove them all into one series and then shove them all into think, one book i think that's why i was able to appreciate Miss Pierce's series because they were very large fantasy epics, but they had narrow focused yes. stories. And this was the opposite of that, mm. in that it was like the worst parts of epic fantasy and mm. young adult, both. But just enough of the good parts to keep you hooked. Like just enough of like, oh, that character, oh, that works. surprised She's me, or got some tricks. just enough tricks to keep you hooked. And it's just so frustrating. If it was just straight up bad, I never would have gotten this far in the trilogy. It's not I was, a trilogy. Or, sorry, this far in the series. Mm. I was like the worst amount invested in the series. Like if I was more invested, I would have gone back and like reread the other books so I oh, remembered God, the characters. No. And if I was less invested, I never would have picked up this fucking thousand page book. Yep. But God, I just didn't, I spent the first like 200 pages trying to remember who all these characters were with too many vowels in their name. Like, oh, I have just okay. so many feelings. I think that was your It should have just time. been separate series. It should have been pared down. Where was her editor to be like, You're volunteering to be her editor though, right? Oh, she just could be so good. It could have been, at its best, it could have been an epic fantasy classic mm -hmm. like it literally could have been up there with Rothfuss if you want to throw him in there Lord of the Rings slinging names like Sanderson. it could have it could have been up there with those like YA notwithstanding like it could have been up there with those yeah. level of fantasies because it was that elaborate with these good characters and magic systems and all that and it just got ruined by too much stuff in it yeah okay thanks for that did I even say the name of the book Kingdom of Ash there you go. Burn it to ash. Um, speaking of ash, I finished ash my Kevin? ash trees is what I was thinking. Mm, okay. um, I finished my 500 page book. And then handed it off to someone without letting me read it first. This is the book that we dedicated a previous segment to where I discussed stole it from stealing Noble. it from Barnes Noble. Allegedly. Uh, the Overstory by Richard Powers. I gave out only my fourth ever A-plus on book digits. Gatsby? Uh, Infinite Jest and White Noise. I know it's it's not particularly diverse. It's like the white male circle jerk of A-plus books. Um, a wide community has loved the overstory so far, from what I can gather. Um... It is literary fiction, but literary fiction at its best. It is poetic, yet not pretentious at all. It is extremely readable. 
Why are you laughing at me? Because there's that elf quote where it's like, it's existential, yet so accessible. <laughs> that's, exa- that's exactly <laughs> true in this case. But he's is, talking about a children's book about a peach. It is a, it is straight... No, pickles. Gus is pickles. It is as straightforward a book as you can get uh, that has eight different plot lines in it. And how many, how many uh, trees? How many species of trees? Oh, gosh. That's the magical thing, though, is you don't actually have to care about trees i didn't care about the answer to that to enjoy lit up the book like i've realized how terrible i am at identifying trees like i might be able to pick out a white birch other than that i got no skills in that regard you can't do an oak versus a maple no i don't think so really maple have the um like the canadian flag leaves you know i've started and then oak has the long leaves with the lobes yeah you know what sounds like you should have played sim park as a kid yep you're right um, so the book is basically seven or eight main characters. The first large section of the book gives you a backstory on each and their family. Some go generations deep, some only go a few days deep. Uh, but it is always very linear so that, you know, it's not a typical literary book every, where... Every time I pick up a literary book that says, this spans generations, I put it Oh, back. I know, I, I know, but this is the exception to that rule. Okay. Um, and it's not like most literary books where, like, they try to blend in flashbacks throughout the book and you're always like, you know, where the hell is this going? Is this yeah. forward or backward? Uh, it's very easy to read, but every single page just has some beautiful language on it. Um... So yes, I felt guilty about having the book in my house because it, first of all, because it was made of paper and it was a book about eco-terrorism trying to save trees. Um, And yeah, I didn't feel like I really owned the book, so I wanted to pass it off. I could have started reading it again immediately after finishing it. Okay. Really? You've never said that about a book in your whole life. The only book I did that recently with was uh, Kurt Vonnegut's cat's cradle but that was mostly because it was so short and I, w- I went back and skimmed it immediately after just to kind of patch things back together but i could have sat down and read this one again i gave it high marks for addictiveness yet i forced myself to slow down because i didn't want it to end too soon song of achilles is the one book that i, I literally reread immediately after finishing hmm. um there's another book i think maybe the maybe prince's gambit and actually, Sarah J. Mass, the second book. Oh, I reread that honey. whole book immediately. I re-skimmed that whole book after reading it the first For time. For shame. Okay, who was that segment brought to us by? Bookagits. B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com. Also on Instagram. At Bookagits. We just did our first giveaway. We did? Mm-hmm. And I just won a giveaway today. Have we actually given it away yet? Has yeah, it been it received? Arrived. I don't know if it's been received. It's arrived according there to There better Target. be an unboxing. I haven't seen one yet. Oh, gosh. I know. I should have specified that. I'm getting a lot of comments on my most recent post, too. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to make you read this one, so maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast. Okay. Yeah, I gave out an A+, and now I just gave out an A-. I don't know the last time I gave out two A's in a row. Executive A's. But this, the latter of those books, we will we'll talk about on an upcoming one. I've been reading multiple books at once, which is not common for me, but I don't know what's happening. Book supports that. That's okay. You can, it helps you keep track. It does. Um, and it helps you keep track of your reading goals, which I'm four books ahead right now. Mm-hmm. And it helps you keep track of your achievements. And which, which one are you at? I'm just one behind you. Because my to-read list is very, very meticulously maintained. Whatever. Uh, should we stick with books since we're talking about books so much? I've got some good news and bad news still. Gosh, I thought we... save them? Um, is it lightning round? Yeah, it'll be pretty okay, quick. Okay, sure. Um, Modern Family is ending. It's my good news. Yep. Uh, related to that, I was going to mention that Parks and Rec is now on Comedy Central to help even out the office marathons that they just run constantly, mm-hmm. so that's much appreciated. I also saw this really cute story about how this family in Newton, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. the whole neighborhood learned sign language because one of the... One of the um, families had a deaf baby. Oh, wow. So the whole neighborhood learned sign language so they would be able to talk to her and she'd be able to grow up with people that could communicate with her. That's great. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Um, that's it for my good news. Okay. Bad news is. Um, some of these are rent. serious. Some of these are mm-hmm. not. Okay. Um, 
bad news. I'm going to start with the least serious. Avengers Endgame is going to be the longest Marvel movie ever. I saw the headline, didn't click it, and didn't even want to mention it. Um, that white guy that shot at the Minnesota bus. Yeah. Released on bail. We got some messed up released stuff when bail. it gets cold and snowy here, people. Released on bail. Yeah. A white dude who shot at a school uh, bus full of children. Oh, and there's a news story, too. He has, like, a rap sheet, too. Well, he's out there. Mm. So, he obviously was a white dude because he did not get shot. He just got calmly taken in. Right. And then was released on bail for shooting at a school bus in the middle of a freeway. Okay. Um, and Japan wants to force trans people to be sterilized before they will transition them with surgery. What, what's the political gain of that? So they can't reproduce. Because they think it would just breed more queerness or what I is I don't the, know. I don't hmm. know if they don't, I don't know if it's like anti-family values to have trans people raising families according to them. I don't know if it's the um, strangeness to some people of having yeah. a male appearing person be pregnant potentially. Japan's a tricky country because everyone loves, you know, everyone loves it, but you got whaling, you got this shit. And there's, it's like the highest suicide rates in the whole world. Mm. They've, they've got some problems in their society. They're very efficient with a lot of things, but their social uh, stuff is problematic sometimes. And yeah, the whaling is a problem. Heather's bringing the sunshine like every week. Hey. So. Mm-hmm. Are you saying we should go into books now? Um, I think the children love the books. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this book inspired something rare from, from me as well. I upgraded the grade upon reread. B plus to A minus. You know what book I did that for recently? What book? Beetle the Bard. The Tales of Beetle the Bard. Okay. We had. Um, we were in agreement that there should be no Harry Potter expanded universe. This, what has changed? We had a drop everything and read time this week at school, um, book character day when I was just as Hermione. Mm -hmm. So I had brought that with me as a Hermione prop. Yep. And um, all the kids were like, who are you? And I was like, oh, Hermione from Harry Potter. They're like, you're Harry Potter? What? No. Um, anyways, and we had a drop everything and read time. And the kids were, like, not listening, so I was like, well, I'm just going to walk around and read to set an example mm -hmm. for them that we're reading. And then I read the whole thing through, and it was clever. Like, Good. the actual stories themselves were not that um, incredible, but, like, the commentary on them and the, like, author's notes and stuff, like, I laughed out loud. And you're giving yourself credit for a full a full book towards your goal? I reread it! Wow. Okay. I knew you were going to be mad about we this one. We will note that. I knew you were going to be mad about this one, and I knew you were going to be mad about the other book that I read in one sitting the other night. Oh, yeah, that was disgusting. I could see it happening, and I just <laughs> I couldn't even stay in the same room. I know this look, I said. <laughs> just because I read faster than you does not mean you have to look down on me for it. I shall. Whatever. Um, I, I, I afforded it from a B to a B. Plus. Uh, but what book are we talking about this evening? We are evening? talking about. Bellwether Rhapsody. Yep. Which is by Kate Raculia. Yeah, maybe. that sounds right. Rac it couldn't be Raculia. It must no. be Raculia. Yep. She is from Massachusetts, no? She definitely has some Massachusetts ties. Uh, I got very giddy the first time I read this book, reading the acknowledgments, because she mentions two people at the Boston Youth Symphony Orchestra, and I used to fix their IT stuff, and they would have a lot of fucking IT issues. <laughs> Those two people in particular, too. Um, so, yeah. Are we gonna... So, she got her MFA from Emerson College. There you go. So, that's her... B, that's her link. That's her... Uh, Boston, Boston link. link. So... And she has a new book coming out. Uh, she does? Yeah. Well, that could help me add it to my to-read list. Um... Where did I put the new book that she has coming out? I forget. She has a new book coming out. Yeah. You start giving us the... Um... This one. Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts. Okay. It should be on my... Why isn't it on... Oh, that's it's not out till safe to read. October 8th. Okay. You can still put it on your to-read list. I could. And you could tag it as unreleased because there's notes on book to just like... Yes, I'll do that. <laughs> okay. 
You're going to give us a quick um, a summary? So this book is about um, a statewide band competition. What do we used to call ours? Just state? Uh, no. What was it called? Allstate. Allstate. Yeah. Uh, so back in our band days, yep. it was called Allstate. Uh, in this one, it's called Statewide. Yep. And it's a statewide music festival. In right. New band and chorus. Yep. In upstate New York. And it happens... Uh, it's an annual festival. It always happens at this kind of like old hotel. Yeah. That it's just tradition to hold it there. It has an auditorium. For and it has reason. a bunch of auditoriums and like um, ballrooms and all this stuff that most modern hotels, I guess, don't have. Yeah. So it's at this old hotel. And that hotel was the scene of a murder-suicide. Which is the prologue. Which is the prologue. Yeah. Um, it's the scene of a murder-suicide in like the... It's like a couple decades before. I think. In the 80s. Yeah. And the book takes place in the 90s. Yeah. Um, so it's the 15 years before. Okay. So 15 years later, after this murder-suicide, it's the weekend of the statewide festival. Yeah. And you're focusing on these twins. Yeah, it's kind of an ensemble cast, but with two the kind primary of characters. The way that it starts the focus is on these two twins, Alice and Rabbit. Yep. Uh, or His nickname. Yep. Um, I love the first chapter of them. Love it. I know you're tired of twinning, but this is good twinning. This is good twinning. Yeah. Um, they don't overdo the twin thing. No. Um, so they're there with their teacher, who they're yeah. not like a fan of. She's like the new the new music teacher. Yeah. yeah, music teacher. Um, so Natalie. you end up yep. reading more about Natalie actually than you do about the twins. Yeah, in some kind ways. Um, so they're there for statewide. It's Alice's second go around, and it's a rabbit or Bertram's first yeah. go around. Alice is sort of like um, Leah Michelle's Glee yes. character, Rachel Berry. Yeah, thank you. Um, just in terms of uh, you know expecting a to be a star, yeah, and she thinks she's you. better than everyone else, and like. She's on her way to stardom, don't get in her way kind of thing. Rabbit just loves sucking on that bassoon. Yeah, he just really loves his bassoon and loves music. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they end up with this really drunk or alcoholic uh, uh, rabbit, down yes. his yeah. luck kind of um, conductor, conductor yeah. for the orchestra. Who's famous, but yeah, seems to be a bit of a hot mess. And a loose cannon, maybe. Yeah. And Rabbit, like, stands up to him, and, yep. like, all of a sudden he's the cool one, and his sister's kind of the lost one, so that yep. changes their dynamic a bit. And then, turns out, the head of the festival this year um, is in a coma, the usual head of the festival is in a coma, and this other lady becomes the new head of the festival. Mm -hmm. Her daughter is, like, a famed the flute first prodigy, flute. Yep. and is roommates with Alice. And turns out this crazy lady... Used to be the piano teacher of Natalie, Natalie. the twins' teacher. Right. Um, so there's all of these adult dynamics going on of like yeah. fucked up adults and all the shit that they've gone through and how it affects them mm -hmm. and their relationships with each other. And then it also has that you also have all of these student dynamics going on. I think it is a good balance of mixing like the adult uh, situations and plot lines yeah. with the kid situations and plot lines without belittling either. Correct. Like, the kids' stuff the is just, just as, as important. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's not like the adult plot lines are the real plot lines, and the kids' ones are just silly, like, whatever. Like, they're both given Who's kind gonna of equal footing. Who's going to kiss who at the party? They're both given kind of equal footing. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of a ghost or haunted aspect Right, from the prologue, it. you think that it's going to be, like, a horror book, but it is not at no, all. No, it's um, much more of... I wouldn't even know how to describe it. It's a little hmm. bit of a mystery. Yeah, but like, it's definitely genre-bending. There's bending. like a C-plot mystery. Correct. It's not even the A or B-plot. Like, yeah. the A-plot is basically, like, the twins and their situation. Or it's presented as the A-plot, at least. Yeah. The B-plot is, like, the adult situations and how they all relate. Yeah. And then the C-plot is... Is what's going on with this Minnie, hotel and its history. Is yeah. Minnie, yeah. who is the little girl who witnessed the murder when she was, like, six. And Correct. now she comes back as an adult to try and get some sort of closure. So the C-plot is kind of the mystery with her, with a missing student from the band. And then you and have... And with the hotel manager. I say, that's plot D, really. With the hotel manager, who's plot, like, C and a half. 
Yeah. Um. So, and then there's a snowstorm. And Rabbit is trying to come out as gay, too. Rabbit's trying to come out of the closet and figure out his sexual identity and how that changes yeah. his relationship with his sister. Uh, I think the sister storyline might be my least favorite. She gets a little shafted. She doesn't even get to do any music stuff. Correct. Um, I mean, it's important for her development mm -hmm. because she's kind of been going on this blissfully or willfully ignorant yeah. uh, thing where she's just like, I'm going to be famous and like is holding on to that even though she doesn't really believe it anymore. Right. But she has her world shook in one of the first chapters because um, I think it's okay to spoil this, but there is a suicide that turns into a disappearance. Correct. She thinks she sees her roommate kill herself. Yeah. And then she goes back and the body's gone. And Correct. nobody else is there. And there's a suspicious card. So she's kind of like, she has like no chance of having like a normal weekend after that yeah, point. Yeah. And dealing with, with her normal life shit. Um, um, this is a book that I reread for this podcast. Because yep. it had been years since I read it. And we actually found um, a cheap used copy. Mm -hmm. um, which is nice because this is a, a book we both gave an A minus to. We gave it the same grade, I think. Now we did, yep. Um, oh yeah, because we jumped it. Um... So it had been a couple years since we read read it, and, yeah. and the, the twist still got me. Me too. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Yeah. I remembered enough of the book, but not the like exact ins and outs of the twists. Yeah. Um. What, and when it was happening, I was like, oh, yeah. But like I didn't remember it while reading yeah. it. Um, you were most frustrated with trying to remember the hotel manager. Yes. I knew there was a thing about him, and I yeah. couldn't remember what the thing was. At first, I thought he was dead yeah. already. Um. It got me because he's talking to his his family in the first in one of the and first scenes, and I'm his, like, I don't really remember this. And then he's talking to his friend, and I'm like, what? Yeah, you know, the friend. The friend scene is strange, and yeah. then at that point, you're like, something weird's going on. I also didn't really remember. I remember the climax happening near the pool. I didn't remember that bit. I did not remember who was holding the gun and how the gun gets fired, and yeah. I'm still a little confused about it. What do you mean? Why does he fire the gun? I won't say who he is. Because he doesn't know what's going on. He has dementia. Okay. Got it. He's confused and upset and gets antagonized a little bit. Right. There then, is an... Because he... No, he thinks... He thinks that she's the murderer. Correct. He thinks he's helping. He thinks he's, like, getting vengeance. So there is an evil person in it. But she is not present for the climax. Correct. He or she. Correct. Mm. Yeah. We were trying way too hard not to spoil this. Yeah. Um, I think you should read the book. Me? I would No, oh, the, the, the audience, the, the you, people that we're talking to inside you. this computer. Um In the that's computer. That's why we're trying not it's to It's so simple. That's why that's creepy. That's why we're it's trying Zoolander. But it's gonna be in their ears that you're whispering into. Yeah. Um I think it's worth reading. That's why we're not we're trying not to spoil it for you. Yeah. I am not a fan of mysteries mm. as a, as a general rule, which is which is surprising based on your parents' reading habits. Yes, they exclusively read <laughs> mysteries and thrillers, basically, and police procedurals. Yeah. But I'm not a fan of them. They don't interest me. This one did a very good job of, like I said, making the mystery kind of the C plot. The mystery is not the main in your face plot. Yeah. Um, the relationships between the people, adults and kids, and like the coming of age kind of development of the kids. It's a great also, book to use out use your book digits theme tags yes. on. Good book for that. And also the like acceptance and identity issues of the adults mm -hmm. and the idea that the adults are just as fucked up as the as the kids, if not more so. Yeah. Um so I think it does a really good job of making the characters' arcs the forefront. It does suffer a little bit for me by having the trope of trying to make you root for infidelity in a marriage which isn't great, but the husband hasn't really done anything True. to necessarily warrant that. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think... I think rooting for is the wrong phrase. You, you don't think your spirits are supposed to be lifted when she gets on the motorcycle? I think your spirits are supposed to be lifted that she's like 
demolishing her life on purpose. Taking control of her life. And taking her control of her uh, life. Yeah. And less so, it's not like, ooh, yeah, she's going to cheat on her husband. It's yeah, like, yeah. good for her for like, doing something unexpected That's and trying fair. to take control of her life. I didn't penalize the book for it. It was just I wasn't, one element I guess that... what I'm saying is I wasn't rooting for their romance. I was yeah. rooting for her independence. Gotcha. And I think there's a little bit of a difference there. It's fair not enough. like they're trying to make you like those two as a couple as much as they're trying Correct. to, they're the trying to romance make you fix their the, lives. The romance is the E-plot. It's the each individual character. Correct. Yeah. And they happen to be together and that, that helps one another. So yeah. I agree with you that it was a little bit squicky to use that word in, in out loud basically like ew, like kind of yeah. like it was a little bit not pleasant to have the infidelity in there but i think the whole point was to show you how fucked up her life has gotten sure. and that she needs to like take some sort of handle on her life okay you agree or disagree uh i gotta go back to a quick tangent okay very you cool. said so we did our our favorite activity which is googling the winner of me? a reality... No, not at all. Me? She's pouring wine right over my computer. Uh, you don't have a great track record recently with electronics and and liquids. That's true. Um, anyways, so we googled Nadia to make sure she's still alive. You said she had book deals, one of which was with Harlequin Romance? I, I want got, that book. I Give me that fucking book, Nadia. I never got the details Nadia. on that. I never got the details on that. Give me that book. Hold on. Let me, let me turn that back. Give me that book. Give me that book. So um, what genre genre would you say this book is? I wouldn't say young adult. There's too much adult. I'll like... pull it up on the tags, but I I'm also like loving like books from the '90s are talking about the '90s are so good because like if the kids had smartphones here, like they would have just been sitting in their in their hotel room staring at their phones the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like the book wouldn't even work. Um, Bellwether Rhapsody. It also has a Minneapolis connection. It does. True. So top top theme tags are music, coming of age, redemption, murder mystery, love, siblings, ensemble cast, homosexuality. It's all over the map. It's terrific. Genre bending. We haven't even really talked about the music connection of it either. Like that, like if you, I don't if know. If you've played an instrument. Or sang in the choir, yeah, I suppose. You'll, it'll resonate. But it's particularly instruments. Yeah. I, you think you're going to be able to find this? The Harlequin romance thing? Yep. I'll introduce the movie while you, while you search. So, we've been saving these two items to talk about together for a <laughs> obvious reason. This is our Rhapsodies episode. We saw Bohemian Rhapsody a good four to five months ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um... I the the best thing about seeing it yeah. was that um, have you heard the term like disaster bisexual? Yes. We saw it with our dear friend who was at the time being a disaster bisexual. <laughs> She's okay with this being put out into the airwaves. We didn't say her name, <laughs> um, and she left it feeling better about her choices in her life. That's true. Um, but I thought that was a funny. That's true. Funny side note. Nadia Hussein will be writing three contemporary women's fiction novels for her. Yes. Um, I don't know anything about it. This was the first will be released in hardback in January 2017. Look it up on Book Digit. Uh, I might use Amazon for that. What's her last name? Hussein. Hussein. You're gonna have to help me spell that. H U S S A I N. Speaking of spelling, for a long time, like, we'll get into how bad I am with classic yeah. raw and why this movie was perfect for me, but when I heard people in high school talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, I assumed it was R-A-P space C-I-T-Y. Absolutely. Absolutely. The wine's coming out of your nose. Are you serious? Rhapsody? Oh my god. The Secret Lives of the Amir Sisters? Let's buy this on Kindle right now. It's gotta be this oh, one, Oh, I saw right? an article about that. It's supposed to be like the little women, but she for... She only has seven reviews. The little women, but of Muslim women. It's packed with humor and warmth. Buy it, honey. You love her. Um, it must be that one, 2017. Mm-hmm. How does she only have seven book reviews? They're positive. Anyways, so yeah. That's how... That's what I knew of Queen. 
rap. I was thing. like, I was pretty sure they didn't you, rap, but I was like, you and I mm. were in the same circles in high school. I don't understand how you didn't listen to these. I was on the periphery of the so, Billy Joel sing along. So was I. Always though. on the periphery. No, but I was in the periphery no, of no. the circle. You were in the main like. Yeah, group. no, I was on the periphery in terms of giving a shit. You almost didn't play Piano Man that time. And oh, when I was band dance um, DJ? Yeah. But one, of my, resume. one of my crowning achievements. <laughs> um, so, so, yes. I will just say, coming out of the movie, I felt good. I enjoyed it. I know you enjoyed it. We went home and watched YouTube videos, which we'll talk about, which ruined the experience. And then every article and everything I've seen yes. about Brian Singer, about the representation oh, yeah. of LGBT persons about the representation of his aids but uh, as diagnosis. a movie going experience for someone with a very value. and for me with a very very poor classic rock upbringing it was just it was made for me because i knew enough of the songs to look forward to them when they would be sung in the movie and i knew enough about freddie mercury to be invested in his life but I didn't know enough to be offended by the the shortcuts they took. And they didn't get into any deep cuts that I would have been bored with. Except for the one that you've been ranting about for five months. The uh, love of my life. Nobody has ever heard that song before that movie. They made that the, like the, the cinch, the clincher. What yeah. am I trying to say? No idea. <laughs> Lynchpin? Maybe. <laughs> They made that the, like, linchpin that they built the whole movie around. <laughs> and that was, like, that's the, like, shittiest Queen song. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how you didn't have the Queen's Greatest Hits. I had Queen's Greatest Hits Volume 1 and 2 in yeah. CD version that I listened to all the time. Like, the B-side of the Greatest Hits. I know those No, that's too. the best Greatest Hits album I've come across. Um, also listening to it, like, I've started to now get classic rock a little bit more like another one bites the dust is a michael jackson song like that's dust. a michael jackson song and he's got elton john songs or sorry they've got elton john songs they've got billy joel songs uh and i know you love somewhere some somebody to love mm -hmm. that one has the best note of any queen song i would say somebody to love was that not good that's the that was written for Glee. Yeah. That type of song. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, but the Somebody best song is... Um, what's my favorite one? Um, that was my stop me now. That, somebody, From start to finish, that one was just... Was my was my live journal. I know, honey. Um, but obviously, Bohemian Rhapsody is their... Peace there is a achievement. Um, one of my gripes about the movie is that they did not play that song from start to finish. Yeah, I know. It's a long song though. But the the cabin in the woods. Yeah, the cabin in the woods motif of producing and recording it, like that's like a trope, obviously, in uh, musical biopics. Mm -hmm. But that one was terrific. And it I, helps to pair it with Mike Myers being the... Uh, manager. Yeah. Who was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. I have in my notes, would sleep with drummer Roger. You loved you some Roger. I did really like Young Roger. Roger. Young Roger. And I also wrote, loved the manager. And Littlefinger got Littlefingered? Hmm? <laughs> what? Game of Thrones reference. The actor? Yeah. Okay. The sketchy dude that screws him over. Yeah. That got get screwed over. Sorry, their their manager that gets screwed over by evil Paul. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fuck off, Paul. I wrote yeah. in my notes. These are really helpful notes that I took. Clearly, wow, yeah. Um, he's Littlefinger, who's like a sketchy character in Game of Thrones. Thanks for that. Their okay. Character. Anyways, uh, so do we need to talk about the issues with it? Is Fred, is um Rami Malek gonna win another award for it? I thought he was fantastic. You had some gripes I, about... I wrote in my notes, didn't like Rainy Malik. Really? I was... He was distracting to me. No. And I think... Uh -huh. I think my knowledge of Freddie Mercury was just like one or two steps above yours. I didn't know yeah. a ton about him. Mm -hmm. But I had seen more of like what I thought he was supposed to look like and had an idea of him in my head. Watching the live footage of Queen, he is not what I thought he looked like. Okay. Um... Like, he's so large, so tall. 
And... He's got a weird body. He doesn't... He dresses, obviously, quite flamboyantly, but he doesn't quite have the look to go with it. He's a very strange concoction. People didn't know he was gay, for real. I can see that. Like, the the Live Aid concert, like, he's ripped and he's like, yeah. ripped and... Like, there's kind of a thin line, or a fine line, between showing off your muscles because you're a manly man and ripped. Right. And wearing tank tops because you're gay. Yeah. And that's your aesthetic. And I obviously had no idea that he had a Middle Eastern background. I didn't know that. No. So that part and was And what his true name was. Yeah. Yeah. That part was interesting to me. Um, I can't tell if I didn't like Rami Malek or I didn't like the, the teeth. teeth. You were obsessed with the teeth. They really, really bothered me. And looking back at some Freddie Mercury videos and stuff, he really did have very large teeth and a very large mouth. But I found it so distracting in the movie. I I really want to ask Rami Malek, like, did they bother you, or were you trying? In to In one do, of the interviews we watched, he said it was really bothersome. Were you trying to do some sort of mannerism of Freddie Mercury? It was both. Because yeah. often, like. Yeah, like, no, I think he was trying to match that. And, like, licked his lips and stuff. Yeah. And I couldn't tell how much of that was an intentional um, mimicking Freddie Mercury and how much of that was because the prosthetic you was know, very irritating to talk I'm pretty sure through. it was method acting. It, it distracted from the movie hmm. for me. I found Rami Malek very I couldn't look away. I found it very distracting. Interesting. I was constantly, like, pulled out of the story to, like, gape at him. Mm. I struggled. With okay, it. I think I think he should win the award. I think that was an acting performance. I disagree with you. Okay, we'll see. I think he did his best with what he was given. Mm-hmm. I think. I just think biopics are really hard because when yeah. people have a certain image of someone, and then you don't, you're obviously don't look in, exactly like that person. Mm-hmm you're kind of set up to fail a little bit. And I don't yeah. think it's his fault. I think he did a great job with it. But for me, he I found him distracting. And on one hand, I'm very glad they didn't whitewash him. Mm-hmm. They didn't just pick any white actor that could have looked similar to him with a mustache. But on the other hand, like, I'm not 100% on the Rainy Malik train. Fair enough. He has also said some problematic things about Brian Singer. Yeah. Um, but... I think he's probably in a tough position trying to support a movie that he made. Yeah. And not badmouth someone who directed The last headline I saw said that he had had been a nightmare, the parts that he had worked with him on. Anyways, um, so in a vacuum, I think this is a fantastic movie. If it, like, if it was fictionalized, like, if you could make up this Queen story, like, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I, um... I don't honestly have that much of a problem of the liberties they took with the timelines and stuff. Yeah, like um, Live Aid is um, not as a knew. surprise of a performance. Yeah. And like and they was, had been together, back together for a while. And it was also before he knew he had AIDS, I thought. Yeah. Or vice versa, well after he knew he had AIDS or something. It wasn't, in the movie they try and tie you know, it together. They, they present it as like his last chance to ever be on stage. He lives like another and, like, four or five he years tells or them that he has AIDS and that's why he wants to do the concert yeah. like it becomes a whole thing um I think as like if there was a screen digit say mm. um I think that the entertainment value of it yeah. like how much did you enjoy yourself while in the movie mm-hmm. 100% yeah how much does the movie actually hold up to reality and to today's standards of representation and mm. um sensitivity not so good and a big part of that, I think, is that they went went out to make a PG-13 movie. Yes, they went to make a family-friendly version of Queen, the Queen story. About drugs, alcohol, sex, and rock and roll. Yes. <laughs> I think they had this... They tried to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have made it really PG. Or they could have made it R. Yeah. And they went for this kind of middle ground of like, we'll show you that he's questioning his sexuality, but not actually. Oh, the fucking show. truck stop look! I I groaned at that scene. I was like, there's got to be a slightly more, not Elo- subtle, but eloquent. just yeah, a way of like, oh, a trucker's looking at him. Okay, he's starting to think must that. Must be gay. Way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looked at a trucker from From-woke a payphone. Must be gay. Um, 
Yeah, I that was more my issue looking back on it. I don't know very much about the Brian Singer controversy side of it, so I won't comment on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care that much about taking liberties with the timelines because it's a movie. Like, I get it that they need to make it cinematic. Sure. But the way that they portrayed his, his uh, LGBT awakening, if you will, mm-hmm. and his LGBT relationships was problematic. I mean, they set it up to be that this, the love of his life, mm-hmm. Mary or whatever her name was, yeah. that like he kept coming back to her and that was his like ideal that he wanted to be like heterosexual and like have her be his woman of his dreams kind yeah. of thing. And that like all the, most of the emotional arcs of the movie were not about his uh, journey as an artist or his relationship with his family. It was like about coming back to her and then she'd moved on and then she was pregnant. Like I just felt like they kept pushing it in your face about his yeah. relationship with her. And I just don't, I don't know that much about him, but I just don't know that that was realistic. I feel like they just felt like they needed a, a, a thread to follow through, to yeah. keep coming back to. And I just didn't, that didn't feel very genuine. Right, because I remember when they were first um, pitching this movie, we it was not clear if it was supposed to be a uh, Freddie Mercury biopic or a or Queen, Queen biopic. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah, again, they tried to go the middle ground, I think, where... It has all the tropes of the band breaking up and the the background guys getting frustrated. The rest of the and, band were such nerds. I yeah. love them. Yeah, I what love a them. strange so concoction nerdy. of people. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, I just I don't know. I didn't like the way that they kept going back to her. Mm-hmm. And also, from what I've heard about or what I know about his relationship with the guy at the end, Jim yeah. Jim something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really shoddily thrown together at the end of the movie. He just, like, showed up at the house, and then they held hands, and it was like, well, they're together forever now. Yeah. Like, really poorly developed. Mm. And I I understand the parts of him, like, thinking he wants a certain type of fame and then not being happy with getting it and his loneliness and all of that, mm. but I just didn't think they really portrayed his sexuality very well. Um, and, yeah, it seems a little weird to do a Fred and Mercury story and gloss over the AIDS part of it. I understand that they didn't do the story to completion because it wasn't like he was on his deathbed at the end. Like, they yeah. ended it with a live aid performance, mm-hmm. which is, you know, supposedly one of the best queen, if not the best rock band performances of all time. Right. Um, but it did seem a little weird to have this movie without getting more into the AIDS crisis. Yeah. Um... Other than I need to do live aid because I have AIDS friends, and then they're like, oh, let's hug it out. And then they just perform, and then that's it. Yeah. I don't know. Any other notes you have? Um, I have lip syncing the lip syncing. I don't know what that means. Hmm. So, this was, they used all the Queen recorded songs. Mm-hmm. But in theory, Rami Malek had to practice enough to sync it up. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, which I think did a good job of that. Do you think they captured all, they got all the hits in there? I was a little surprised that they sped past his solo career and that there was like no, like David Bowie never showed up or anything. Um, cause I think that's one of oh, their more notorious songs. Um, I mean, you know, somebody to love is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, they did Somebody to Love, Doing All Right, Keep Yourself Alive, Killer Queen. I liked some of their older stuff. Keep Yourself yeah. Alive, I really liked that, that one. That one was cool. Killer Queen, Fat Bottom, Fat Bottom Girls, Bohemian Rhapsody, Now I'm Here, Crazy Little Thing Called Love, Love of My Life, for the mm-hmm. fourth time. We Will Rock You, Another One Bites of Dust, I Want to Break Free, Shit, Under Pressure, uh, Who Wants to Live Forever, Bohemian Rhapsody, Radio Gaga, AO, It's Not a Full Song, Hammer to Fall, We Are the Champions, Don't Stop Me Now, Show Must Go On. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say my favorites are Somebody to Love, mm-hmm. Crazy Little Thing Called Love. I used to really like Bicycle Race, which wasn't on there. Yeah, that one's fun. Um, and Fat Potom Girls. Killer Queen, I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't stop. I know that one's your favorite. Radio Gaga's okay. Having such a good time. 
And, like, he doesn't even do drugs on screen. Like, they allude to, like, sniffing cocaine because yeah, it's PG-13. Yeah, there's, like, 13. powder on the table, but they don't actually do yeah. anything. Yeah, I think that this would have been a better movie if they just leaned into it and went R. Yeah. Uh, and didn't but have just this the furtive, old guys furtive looks around the corner. And, well, that was the problem, was all yeah. the members of, all the living members of Queen were in on the production yeah. team. So this was, this is what happens when Not you have... Not enough gay sex. This is what happens when you have so many different visions. Sure. And that's why Brian Singer got fired, or, and then... I don't think that's why he got fired. That is why he got fired, I thought. Hmm. There are allegations against him later. Got but it. I believe the reason he got fired was created like, differences, differences to begin with. Yeah. Hmm. So he got written, like, he got written out of everything, but he still had a credit and still made, like, $40 million off of it yeah. because of the co way the contract was written. Um, so I think that this kind of glossed over safe version of the movie is what happens mm -hmm. when you have too many people yep. trying to tell their version of the story and trying to save face in some ways. Yeah. Or tell their, their version of it. Yep. So entertainment value... A hundred percent. The way that the sensitivity of handling the issue, the different issues in it, and the reality of it. Would 40%. you ever go back and watch it again? I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if I can see myself sitting down in front of the TV and watching it again. I would rather just watch the Queen performances. Hmm. Kind of like what I said with Rent at the beginning. Like I think the fun bit about it was like sing the sing-along part. And I, I really did like seeing the band dynamics and learning more about how the songs got made and stuff. Like, yeah. the Bohemian Rhapsody, like you said, that scene was just, like, incredible. Yeah. Like, yeah. the way that they did that song and their dynamics in the cabin. Trying to convince and, each other that what they're doing is going to make sense. Yeah, and I mean, some of, some of those parts were really good. As a whole movie, the whole arc, I think watching it again, I'd grown at some of the parts yeah. with Mary and some of the um, parts with Paul would be hard to watch, yeah. like... All right. Well, folks, it's time for your favorite game. And I think you already have this. I think you already retweeted this, but we're going to play Will This News Event Make Bennett Read or Watch Dune? <laughs> you know what this week's is? Uh, Oscar Isaacs? Yes. Going to play a father figure. Uh, one of the funniest tweets I retweeted about it the was, I guess, is I'm, no! I guess I'm at that awkward age where I'm attracted to both the father and the son in the <laughs> movies. Um, do you want me to, like, fly through mine? Do you want me to save some of I them? I got two more. Okay, okay. Um, Dr. Mario is going to be coming to iOS, which is, like, the only Nintendo game that I have any sort of affinity for. I thought you were going to say it was coming to the big screen. No. That'd be crazy. Um, what would it be about? Like, Dr. Mario is so much better than Tetris and it is. Tetris Imposters. Why haven't we played Dr. Mario on the Nintendo Classic recently? We should, because one of the chords is very, very short. Once we beat Spyro, which we're yep. pretty close to, True. I think we should go back to some... Just a marathon. Dr. Mario. Um, and my last... Oh, I assume you have this one. Billy on the Street! Yeah, I'm so excited about that one. Gay rom-com. Billy Eckner is writing and starring in a gay rom-com. Who's going to be his... Partner. I don't know. Darren Chris is not playing any more gay characters. Nope. So that's not like available. Chris Colfer? That'd be a big height difference, too. Isn't Darren Chris really, really short? One of them has to be shorter in a gay relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. Chris Colfer needs to get back on that train. Yeah. I know. That money can't be flowing. I think they would just debate over whose hair was taller. Yeah. All right. Yes, you go lightning round. money can't be flowing? He's got loads of Land of Stories books. Okay. Um, The Batman. <laughs> yeah that's all i'm gonna say about that one uh the handmaid's tale sequel the testaments yeah she's doing that huh um on the come up adaptation angie thomas's new book already okay. has an adaptation deal oh nice um us by jordan the jordan peele and the, the next get out they're, they're calling it yep you're gonna see that fuck no scary? Oh, it looks okay. fucking terrifying it looks way scarier than get out and that movie was like Right at my limits. Yeah. For scary movies. Uh, just the poster scared me. <laughs> I'm serious. Have you seen the poster? Uh, I'm not sure. Just the poster scared me. I think I have. And then I saw that there's like a cool... Um, Are we going to watch his Twilight Zone? I don't... I've never really been... This. Ooh, that's creepy. I don't like it. 
Hmm. And then I thought that there was like a cool poster that, oh, this is the full poster with the name. Hmm. Like just that is too scary for me. Yeah. So no, I'm not interested in seeing it. Okay. Um, what were you going to say? Are we going to see what? No, that's it. Happy death day too. Oh yeah. Um, the last one I have for this week mm-hmm. is that Black Leopard Red Wolf. Yep. That Marlon James book that I want to read. Thanks to Bookstagram and thanks to everything I've heard about it. Book of the week tomorrow, I believe, on um, Book Digits. It's getting an adaptation by Michael B. Jordan. Uh, yeah. Like he's the producer? I think so. Yeah, okay. So, I'm excited about that. Movie treatment? Um, not a stretched out HBO series? I'm not sure. Hmm. Possibly a stretched out HBO series because I think Michael B. Jordan's thing is with HBO. Okay. But... I'm excited about that. We need more like diverse fantasy for sure. Because mm-hmm. all most fantasy is just white on white. Mm. So I'm excited about that. And I really want to read that book. I requested the library, but I'm number like 37 in the list or something. Not surprised. All right, people. Thank you for letting us inside your ears. Thank you for listening to a lot of random rants about things that were not connected at all. Yep. Let us know if you've read this book or seen this movie. And follow me on Instagram at BookDigits. Connect. Be social. On Twitter at BookDigits. Mm-hmm. Follow us. Hang out. Send us some stuff. Let us know that you listened. Happy Valentine's Day. And happy Valentine's Day. We love you. Thank you for listening to us for 67 episodes. That's crazy. Wow. And we'll be hopefully back at you next week if we figure out what book we're going to read. Okay, bye. Bye.